Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Global Boys here. Thanks for tuning in to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creative thinkers and doers. And thinking and doing is something I find myself doing a lot more often. Uh, just want to say, as always, thanks so much for watching the show or listening to the show, depending on which platform you experience New Amsterdam Radio. Please tell a friend about the show. But um, on my Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash boys, not a promo, but it kind of is. I decided to do one of those try videos, you know, when, when someone on YouTube tries something new out of the ordinary. And even though I am 100% West Indian, even though I am 100% Caribbean, I had never had star fruit. So this month on Patreon at patreon.com slash boys, you can actually get my original reaction by trying star fruit for the first time. It was kind of cool. Uh, the fruit itself is pretty okay. But it was kind of cool to be able to put myself out there and have a camera rolling willing to get any reaction uh the first reaction which is the most honest and most visceral reaction when it comes to experiencing things so that was kind of fun i had a poll out there i asked people if i should do more of it of course they were like yeah do more of it so i may be doing more try videos on the platform there but the reason why i bring this up is twofold one or threefold one visit the patreon patreon.com that's little boys uh but but the other thing is trying new things trying new things is, is scary it's fun it's it's exhilarating it's nerve-wracking it's i don't know what people are going to think of me when i haven't tried this or i'm x years old i maybe i'm too old to try new things or i should have already had this knowledge ingrained uh, in my head before um and and not being afraid to put it out there is kind of the fun part about it you know what if i uh did something i didn't like and i had my face contort in a weird way or something i love and that was the first time me experiencing a new pursuit on camera. Trying new things is great. Documenting them is great. And lastly, always be curious. Before you try new things, you have to want to try different things. And that leads me to my guest today. Cindy Fernandez-Nixon is someone that I actually came across with one of my old jobs. See, I was the host of this year's PAMA, which is the Paris Art and Movie Awards. I was one of the hosts for that. And she appeared in a movie, and we'll talk about that on our little chat, The Enormity of Life. But just seeing her in that role and giving the energy she brought to the role, I had to get her on the show. So this is like a celebrity get for me. I'm kind of ecstatic. If you don't know about Cindy, now you will. She is destined for great things. And so before I get to say, without further ado, one more ado, the Twitter the Instagram, Instagram at New Amsterdam, Twitter at new underscore Amsterdam. Make sure you visit, make sure you follow, make sure you say hello. And now, without further ado, my chat with Cindy Fernandez-Nixon. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creative, the desire for the voice, the mayor in the mayor's office, as always, talking to thinkers and doers who are making it happen. And my guest today is making it happen all over the space, digital or otherwise. You see, when I was perusing inter uh, independent filmmaking, I came across a movie called The Normandy of Life, and someone sold the show. And that person is my guest today. Please welcome Cindy Fernandez Nixon. How are you doing today? <laughs> well, thank you for that, that <laughs> intro. It's pretty good. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for reaching out 
I um, listen, it's a blessing when, um, you know, to get a message from that kind saying like, hey, I saw you in this movie, especially being in the independent movie world and, uh, you know, to be asked to be in an interview. So I appreciate you very much. (laughs) Today's going to be a fun interview. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, there's some days where I say I'm doing great and I'm not. But today, pretty good. (laughs) good chatting about it. Uh, That's good. Well, like I said at the top of the show, you do a lot. And so when you're at a party or a get together, how do you organize the many slashes you have? Do you say actress slash like fitness? Like, how do you do that? Um, you know, you kind of read the crowd, right? So, <laughs> so basically, um, that I say that laughing, but it's very true. It depends on the function I'm at. Normally, I am an actress, and uh, um, that is the one that I always introduce there. So, if I'm around dif- different creatives, I'm an actress, producer, director, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I'm in the in the everyday world, I would mention I'm also I'm a fitness instructor, mm, right? Yeah. Specifically dance instructor. Okay. And um, you know, but if I'm in a corporate setting, then I would lead with I am an engineer. Okay. Uh like a, what kind of engineer? Uh, mechanical engineer and industrial oh, so engineering. Mm-hmm. So I was so, an electrical engineer for a bit. Oh, you see? Exactly. So which one did you lead in with? <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's it's a funny thing because if you look at my business card, um, when I give it out, people go, there's nothing on it. It's just like my name, my mm-hmm. phone number, my email address is because I have so many different things. And so yeah. I tell people, uh, if this is the first time listening to the radio show, I am DJ, stand-up comedian, I write, um, I, I do podcasts as well. I start off by saying I'm a live entertainment professional. And if, if people ask, then I can go down that pipe. But usually when I'm at a party, that's a way of figuring out whether or not you care or you're just asking a question for some small talk, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And no, you you honestly, it's like when they when you have your five seconds to impress someone, you basically have to figure out who you're talking to. So then you know which side of you you want to put forward first. So like, for example, yeah, I also have a podcast, but I also group that in that I'm, I'm an entertainer, right? Yeah, an entertainer. Yeah. So being a Zumba instructor or a fitness instructor, I'm an entertainer. Being a dancer, being an actress, being a producer, being a director, they're all entertainers, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I agree with you. Um, so yeah, so I those are all of my hyphens. I'm also a mom. So that's Shout a out. big one. That's a big lifetime one. role right there. That's one I cannot quit. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing about being a Zoom instructor first, because I, I am terrible at that. In fact, my Spanish name is Notina Ritmo. Uh, what's been the challenge for you, <laughs> <Sorry>. though? <laughs> Getting people to, to try it out, you know? Um, well, the, the, every, every instructor has a different vibe. My vibe is that it doesn't matter if you're really good at it or not. Um, at the top of the class, I tell everyone there's three simple rules. One, make sure you're safe, know your body, because I can be going like the energizer bunny, but that doesn't mean you need to be, you can Mm -hmm. take your breaks Two, smile. I don't care how lost you are. You have to smile. And third, if you get lost on the steps, you just drop and pump it. Yeah. And like you're probably going to be doing something right. And when I tell people that at the top of the class, they realize that it's not, you know, the people in the class are not competing as to like who has the best moves. They're just having fun. I tell them, make up your own moves if you don't like mine. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and that makes people feel like, you know, I'm just going to come here to have fun and do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people learn the moves. I have a lot of people that are retired. Okay. 
in my classes. But I have young, young, like from kids to young adults. And um, it's a matter of making the class fun so you forget it's a workout. Right. You know? Do, do you have fun? Is it like something where it's Oh, my God. Like, I have yeah. so much fun. It's uh, it's so fun to be an instructor because, uh, well, you first of all go into this entertaining mind where like it doesn't matter how bad your day was, yes. you have to be smiling, you have to hype people up, you have to, you know, and it's like you go into this trance where like, you know, you're just going with the music because I have to know the moves, I had to know the music, I have to cue them ahead of time so that they know what they're doing. Right. So they don't feel lost. I have to like look at them, smile, dance, jump. And like if I expect them to be like an energy 50%, I got to be at like 110. Um, right. But it is so much fun when, especially during the pandemic, uh, the gyms close. So mm. we decided to take the classes to the park. And I was teaching at the park and I had a huge group of people that would come to class and a lot of them would say, if it wasn't because of the Zumba classes, they would be going insane at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They would do no exercise. They wouldn't see people. So to hear that I was able to help people yeah. keep their, that part, like keep their mental health in a good place mm -hmm. during such difficult times was so not so much fun, but it was also like gratifying. What's it been like for you during the pandemic? I mean, being a creative, being an actress, being a Zoom instructor, <laughs> like how did you keep yourself, being a mom as well? You know, kids are always hungry, pandemic or not. Like how do um, you yeah. keep your sanity? Well, for me, it was compartmentalizing, you know, um, having like that slight pressure of I need to show up for these people will help me keep that for myself. When it came to the acting world, it did this like funny turn where like, and I, it was in in my favor, I'll say. I love doing auditions from home because you don't have to be stuck in traffic. You could do multiple things. So the fact that they went into auditioning from home was amazing. The other thing is my kids and I act together. So what happened during the pandemic was that family castings became a thing. Yeah. So we were busy, so busy, like at least like, five to 10 auditions a week just for commercials. And it was a little exhausting, I won't lie, but you know, it, it was actually really good that I was able to live with the people that I was acting with, that it was my kids. So it would be able to do it at home, you know, and I didn't have to drive around, you know, the, I didn't have to pick up my kids from school to go to an audition. It was like, Hey, turn the camera off for a second so we could do this audition and then go back to school. Yeah. You know, um, and then, yeah, so when it came to acting, it became everything more centered at home. And then exercising was like an escape from the stress of everything else. So, you know, that's kind of how I, I dealt, you know, yeah. big support system at home. When you act with your kids, is it like a form of play or is it considered like work because it's a craft at this age? Um. Well, my daughter would tell you she is an actress already. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> She's seven. She's seven. Um, it's a lot of play, but it's also like, for example, when I have to like train her to like go over auditions as she gets on her own theatrical, we have to like she has to memorize things now because she's been doing it for so long and I taught her tricks. Yeah. And for her, um, I have to pace her in the sense of like if I push her, then it's work. 
So I have to like tell her, okay, let's just play around. Let's just play pretend. And then she memorizes it. And then I tell her, okay, we're going to do it twice. And whatever we got, it's going to go. No pressure. And then she does an amazing job. But if she knows that we're going to sit there for like five to ten takes, yeah. she's like, I don't want to do this. I'm the same <laughs> way. Yeah, shout out to your daughter, man. Kid your spirits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like yeah. my son, he's four. And it's different because like he doesn't talk as much as my daughter. Um, but it's different because for him, you have to make him believe his play and mm -hmm. he'll do it. Um, and if you take him on set, he is the, oh my God, like the example of a kid on set, the camera's on, he knows where to look, he knows what to do. He listens better than at home. But then when the camera's off, he's back to being a four-year-old running around being loud. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool that's really cool that to, to, to encourage that uh, at least that what you're doing your craft to a new generation you uh, know i feel like that's a way of also sharing things with them mm -hmm. you know so i spend time with my kids because now i can bring my kids to work yeah 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 and, and work is changing or the nature of work is changing right yeah so it's yeah well, I, I came across your work with the Normandy in Life, as I mentioned at the top of this uh, picture. There's the Palma Awards, the Paris Art Movie Awards, which I'm going to be on the panel for that film. And so I watched the screener and I was yes. like, uh, the scene you are, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you played a nurse with just enough sass to be like, that's right there. That's the spark. I mean, what were you doing up until that, that call, that phone call you got, the audition you got, what was going through before you decided to take on the project? Well, you know what? It's funny. People don't realize that this industry is so geared towards connections that I still lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania when I auditioned for um, this role. And I barely remember the project, but I knew that I knew some people back there. This was filmed in Ohio. And two years after living in L.A., I get a phone call that the director and the writer liked me and, you know, they wanted for me to like resend a new audition because, you know, again, they knew people as well that knew me, that referred me for the project. And so I did it again. And then I, now I flew back mm -hmm. to do it. Um, now I'm going to go back. So I have reservations sometimes when it comes to Latino roles, because, you know, we always want to play like the, you know, like, why do I always have to be, without giving much away, How do, why do I always have to have this certain type of character, right? Right. Um, like personality or occupation? Not so much the occupation. And I could say, you know, I'll play a nurse. Um, but it's like the personality, you know, like, mm -hmm. why do we always have to have like this feistiness to us? So I'm very cautious of which roles I do accept um, you know, like for example, it being a nurse is something that I respect. And especially after 2020, like the respect yeah. for nurses went up beyond our imaginations. So this was before the pandemic. So I had so much respect for, for nurses before. So I always love portraying one mm -hmm. and I've done it a few times. Um, but accepting the role for me, I just thought it was so fun to be able to, to do a little bit more than just like, you know, to, to, to show like a, a real nurse and what they really go through, you know, yeah. they're not, you know, so for me, it was fun. It was fun to do that. And it was something unexpected because I had forgotten about the project really. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I'm also with you. My mom uh, was an RN for, for 30, 30, 40 years, actually, before she retired. So I, I totally wow. understand. Like, the there was a time where people really didn't care for those kind of service jobs, you know, service um, occupations. Yeah. But the whole thing has changed in the last year. But, yeah, what I liked about the role in particular is that you're right. There, there was a spot to be very, and this is all for all actors of color, to be stereotypical, right? There's other derivative, if you will, but you do a fresh take on it. And I wonder like how much of that was you bringing your sensibilities to the role? How much was it collaborating with the team? How much was it just extracting things from the written word? Like, what was that mix like? Um, You know, the writer was super amazing. You know, he liked my take on the audition itself. That's why he just brought me because he said that there were many people that like gave it that, humanity um so for me you know he gave me freedom to to do whatever i wanted with the role so there are many things that are scripted but a lot of the ad libs in between were me and some of like the reactions like i did have the freedom to add certain things here and there to the character to kind of like again bring that humanity to lift it off the paper and to not just be like you know this like angry person it's just like there's a reason and there's like a there's a caring behind this person which every nurse is caring i mean you wouldn't choose to be a nurse if you didn't care about people you know what i'm saying yeah. that'd be every whole other movie right yeah that would be you wouldn't yeah. get through half the school <laughs> right. well i get the the film itself normally life is making its way to the festival circuit now but i gotta mm-hmm. ask the, the almost cliche question like what is left what do you want to accomplish in your career are there any kind of roles that still elude you are there any kind of roles that you would love to do uh in the course of your career as you grow you know, I would love to be a superhero. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, one of my. And you know what? I don't think there's any. But if I were to pick a role of a superhero that's there now, I would be a cross between Jessica Jones and um, yeah, Jessica Jones and I'm. Oh my God, I'm trying to think of her name. And I recently watched her too. Um. And, and, you know, Jessica Jones, because of the mentality of like, you know, I really don't want to be doing this, but I'm helping people, even though, you know, like I just, this just fell on me. Okay. And like you end up doing, and she's just like a regular person. Like she's a regular person with regular problems and she's just, and might as well help people. Right. Um, But I think that a lot of it is the superhero that I want to do. It's not yet written because I feel like I want to bring a lot of me. Right. So I'm a black Latina. Yeah. We don't necessarily see that often, you know, especially for me as an actress, I've always had to choose whether, you know, play Latina or, and then it was always the question like, you don't look Latina enough, you know, mm. and then, or play just African-American. And then at that point, they're like, okay, we need you to speak a certain way. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I can neutralize my English very well. And then they just, they just want me to be more hood. Right, and, and I, I have you the keyword there personally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel just like I have reservations about playing. You know, the stereotypical Latina. I have reservations about playing what you want black people to be on TV. Like, there's plenty of people of color that do not speak the way you want to portray us anymore. So for me, I want to be the superhero, but I want to be the superhero that's like all of those things and it's still okay. Like that exists. That's a real thing, people. 
Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite superhero? Just, just curious. I don't know if you're if you have like one growing up, like yeah, Wonder Woman, or like yeah, Superman, or Batman. No, or, yeah. no, I didn't. Not that I can think of. Like maybe Wonder Woman. Okay. But I, I preferred. I honestly prefer Superman. Yeah. Over Wonder Woman. Me too. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, it's not uh, wrong. It's different powers. I feel like people get kind of like weird about that. Like, oh, you could prefer one over the other. It's totally fine. Well, you I'm know what Lantern it was? Person. They, oh, I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, that and Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man. Definitely Spider-Man. Um, yeah. I would say Superman, Spider-Man. I think it's, it's, it's because of how, you know, growing up, the, the even the, the, I remember watching Wonder Woman the show and it was it was dubbed because it was in the Dominican Republic. And I used to love that show, especially I, I'm gonna tell you it wasn't because it was Wonder Woman, but it was it was because Linda Carter is Mexican. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, listen, they're not portraying her as a Mexican, but I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna yeah. take it. <laughs> and that's what I was gonna say though, the parent power representation. So like as a kid, Superman appealed to me, even though I'm not an alien, but he was first generation, right? My parents, <laughs> my parents are, are Caribbean as well. And mm -hmm. so seeing being an American kid, seeing this embodiment of America, <laughs> you know, or Spider-Man, yeah. poor kid from Queens who like worked at a pizza shop as a kid and in a newspaper as an adult to make ends meet yeah. and be a superhero. I, I get that. So right, right, yeah, right, right. wherever you can extract from. Yeah, we definitely wouldn't relate to Iron Man. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there with my billions of dollars. You know how it is. It's like totally spoiled and rich. Yeah. Yeah, we relate to that. <laughs> so. Life is so hard. Uh, or well, Batman. Uh, right. The, seriously, he's privileged as a superhero. Let's be real. Like, giant yeah, house. Like, it's all crazy. <laughs> yeah, we did We did not come from that. So, yeah, so we definitely had to relate to, to the characters. So what I was saying about Wonder Woman was like she wasn't portrayed as something relatable to me. Yeah. I totally understand that. And it, it does matter for generations. So I'm so glad if you do get that superhero role to be an inspiration for an entire generation. Yes. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you believe in manifestation or affirmations, but if you say it long enough, it may work. That's a secret, right? I, I believe so. I believe yeah. so. <laughs> So I was actually researching uh, other projects we're working on your podcast. Now that I have my coffee, yes. uh, tell me more about this. What was the idea of jumping into this podcast place? So when I lived in Pittsburgh, I had, um, let me give you the spark notes. You know what spark notes are, right? Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> <laughs> you ask any kid in high school, I know. I was like, what's this book about? And it's spark notes. I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? Listen, that saved my high school so many times because I didn't like reading much. Um, I okay, so Shakespeare, thanks, Spark Notes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so when I moved to Pittsburgh from New Jersey, I felt like the lack of diversity was so big, and it would put me in like a really sad place, and I wanted to leave. And you know, sometimes when you're in a place where you're like, you know, you can complain about it and do nothing, or you can do something about it and like see the opportunities. I ended up creating a the only bilingual radio show in the city of Pittsburgh and oh, wow. I love doing it I love being, bringing people from like the medical field the education the restaurant owners the organizations that were doing things to help the community um, I would have interviews from different people in the entire Latino community or people that wanted to reach to the Latino community but they didn't know how to because I was doing it in Spanish and English and I would also play Spanish music mm -hmm. but through that I was able to learn a lot about radio and develop this thing about interviewing and like getting people to share stuff about themselves and like, you know, what makes people relatable and um, 
it's sad to say that what makes us relatable is our struggle. Just like we talked about being first generation and, you know, the, the, how we view the world. Those are things that make people relatable. And right. more so how you surpass these struggles, these obstacles. So when I moved to LA, I was trying to find something that like was my thing that represented me that I could do to give back. So one day I said, you know, hold on, I can't think about this because you know what, let me think about it after I had my coffee. And then I had my coffee and said, okay, now that I had my coffee, let me think about it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no one is in a good mood until they had their coffee. So the concept of the show is to sit back and talk to people from different backgrounds about their lives, their struggles, their, how they surpass them, you know, over a cup of coffee where like, you know, now you're relaxed, you're in a happy place and you can share about your path so that anyone that's listening can relate or can say, oh, wow, maybe I could try that, you know, um, being a big mental health advocate, I feel like the best way to get out of that funk yeah. is by first of all realizing you're not alone. Right. Well, first questions first, how do you take your coffee? Oh my God, I, I experiment with coffee so much. My favorite will be like a white chocolate mocha. Oh. Right? Mm. Um, but I love um, like a French vanilla uh brew like a french vanilla mixture or caramels or you know yeah i'm latina we we drink coffee just because it, it, yeah it's cool man the fact that uh i always tell this to my brother who's in town with me this week i said man i'm, I'm definitely at a afternoon pick me up years old and so <laughs> the more coffee <laughs> the better uh how do you take your coffee I do it black, but I like to do more light roasts. I like more Central American blends. I love the, the citrus and cherry notes in my coffee. But at the same time, I'll drink gas with your coffee too. I'm not like a snob about it. Wait, <laughs> citrus and cherry notes. I got to take yeah. notes. Maybe I yeah. can try that next. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, like trying new things. For me, trying coffee. I wasn't a coffee drinker all through college, by the way. Mm -hmm. I made it through. I became a coffee drinker because my one of my jobs, corporate jobs, the coffee was free in the break room. Yeah. So it was a reason to get up and go get, do something outside of my desk. So I would get coffee. Oh my, it were also very similar. So I moved to LA uh, in 2000, <laughs> 2007 and I was in a writer's group because we had dreams of becoming filmmakers at the time. I was mm -hmm. going to be an editor and my friend was a writer and he went to a diner and he went to bang out the script all night. And well, mm -hmm. if you order one coffee, they won't kick you out. So the same $2 cup of coffee we drank all night. And I hated coffee up yeah. until that point. So thanks to Los Angeles. I can't start my day without it. I mean, it's a way, it starts to be a way to get by. You don't like it. It's an acquired taste for sure. Mm -hmm. Coffee and beer are both acquired tastes. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, people that come on my podcast, that I have a lot of people that are not coffee drinkers. And I tell them, you know what? Okay, tell me that drink that you have to have when you feel like you're having a tough day. Some people say, I just need water. Other people drink tea. Some people are coffee. Some people are beer. Some people are wine. If you're a mom, it's a combination of coffee and wine. <laughs> right. Depends yeah. on the time of the day and how bad it's been. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like a bottle of Presidente, like that's the one I would get. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Presidente for sure. That's my you know, I'm still not a big beer drinker. Mm -hmm. but um, definitely became a coffee drinker. And now it's the thing that I do just because. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It becomes like a, a social <laughs> thing, kind of a thing. You it is a own. social thing. It's yeah. not a pick me up for me anymore because it doesn't really do anything, but it's definitely a social thing. Even <laughs> if it's just me, I'm, like, yeah. I'm having a social moment thing. It. <laughs> well, you mentioned it lifts your spirits and that you're a mental health advocate. Uh, that yes. must be a journey and a half to, to acknowledge what's happening with our collective psyches and trying to, uh, yeah. I guess, raise the appearance on it. So like, talk to me about that, going into becoming a mental health advocate. What does that mean for you week to week? week, month to month, day to day? Well, there's so many, so many reasons why every day I get convinced or not convinced. I'm reminded why I am a mental health advocate. Um, and it, it comes from like either from the personal world to even being an entertainer. So I'll start with when I had moved to Pittsburgh and I said I was working as an engineer, but I felt like I was strapped in the career that I want to do. I love the career. I love being an engineer, but I felt like I wasn't doing everything I wanted to do. It trapped in the city that they didn't have the diversity I liked because coming from New Jersey, New York to mm -hmm. a place where like people looked at me and they're like, your last name is Fernandez, but you don't look Latina. You don't look right. Mexican. Um, what part of Puerto Rico is Dominican Republic from? Ooh, you don't do that. These were I'm from all Brooklyn. legit questions. Do <laughs> okay, so then you understand, right? Yeah. So these were all legit questions that like I felt like I was trapped. So anyway, I went through depression. I was very sad. I would go home and it was like that silent depression that no one picked up because on the books, I was this person that like I graduated from college. I was living on my own. I was making good money. I had a good career. I had no reason to complain. I was healthy. I was doing everything. No. And every time I said I didn't feel happy, I was looked at like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You know, so I closed off and I would do a lot of things, you know, and so it, I didn't realize that I was going deep. I felt like I had no reason to feel the way I did and I wouldn't talk to anyone. And it it, it took until I felt like there were many times that it, it was very dark and I didn't say anything because every time I talked, it, my feelings weren't justified, right? Mm -hmm. I had no reason. People always had it worse. So what right, was I complaining right. about? The pain Olympics, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think one day I just woke up and I said to myself, I can sit here and complain about, you know, I started to blame everyone in my life that didn't support me, right? Even though they did, I started to blame everything. So I said, I can sit here and complain about what didn't happen in the past, or I can, and blame people in the past, but I can also stand here and look forward and say, whatever I don't do in the future is on me from this point forward. Right. If I felt my parents didn't support an, a career in entertainment, if I felt that they didn't push me the right way, if I felt that they didn't guide me because they honestly didn't know how to guide me themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like, OK, well, that's that. Right now I know better. Am I going to do better? Mm -hmm. So I started a change, but it took a while. And what, what was more shocking to me was that I lived by myself and I had the quote unquote perfect life and no one knew how many times I didn't even want to wake up. Mm. And that's the most dangerous, like I'll say most dangerous kind of depression where like it's, it goes unnoticed. And then the next thing you know, someone does something that, you know, they can't turn back from and you think like, oh my God, they seem so happy. Oh my God, they had everything they needed, but you never stop to think. So for me, I was like, now I try to go a little deeper. Like, well, tell me, like, it's okay to talk about your struggles. It's okay to say that things don't necessarily feel all that great for you, you know, validate those feelings. And 
so for me, that was from that end. Um, as we move on, my dad now suffers from Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Now, being Caribbean and being Latino, we never really admit to an issue of mental health right. until you kind of have no option but to admit it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, to this day, I have conversations with my mom about the fact that I'm like, you know, there were signs. Like now when we think back, there were signs about his Alzheimer's being there. And we just, you know, rubbed it off to, oh, he's just getting older or, you know, yeah. we didn't really address it. You know, we didn't prepare for the intensity of what Alzheimer's can do for someone. We didn't help him exercise his, his brain to not be where he's at right now. Like I can have the same conversation with my dad every five minutes or less. He'll ask me the same thing over and over. And like sometimes it's hard to hold it together, like to know that he's no longer there. Mm-hmm. So again, those are the personal reasons. And then going out and seeing that as an entertainer, it's our job to, you know, as an actress, it's my job to to give a voice to these characters, you know, and the voice is more than just those lines. It's, a, it's to be able to give that feeling that's under the skin, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that like, for example, in that movie, if you see the nurse, you know, like she cares about people, but like now her own personal, like she is becoming personal for her, you know? And like, at what point do you snap? Mm-hmm. Cause you're not allowed to, you're supposed to always have it together. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it, again, bring it down to then something else that I do. Zumba seeing these people like elderly they could barely move but they come out because it makes them happy you know a lot of them were stuck out here without family they couldn't see anyone so coming out to dance and listen to music and just pretend to do some moves was actually like for them you know we became a family for them it was like this helped me get by you know so in everything i do you're gonna find there's mental health aspect to it it may not be as obvious because it can't always be obvious you know most likely yeah and then the podcast which is again is not obvious let's just talk about coffee and your career people don't realize we end up talking about mental health yeah Uh, well if you don't mind me asking and you can go as deep as you like here with your aspirations as an actress your clientele in zumba your family issues and personal issues mm-hmm. what do you do to navigate all of that it can seem that someday just by listening to you that it could be a lot coming from different directions <laughs> at once i mean but you press on you press on and i wonder mm-hmm. anything you can share about that or any kind of approach about that yeah of course so i i, I grew up catholic uh, I am not a religious person. I wouldn't consider myself a religious person now. I'm more spiritual in the sense of I started to, and this is a personal choice. I'm, I have nothing against religion. Um, I mean, I have my opinions, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I started to see like becoming more spiritual where like you, I found more, um, Rather than praying and waiting for something to happen for me, I started to manifest. I started to, you know, try to take control, right? Um, It's hard to explain. Like, for an example would be, you know, you pray to God to get you a million bucks, right? And then you just sit there and you do nothing about it. 
versus you realize, you know, you could still pray and say, God, I want a million bucks, but then you're going to start looking for that job. Right. You know, yeah. you start to realize that you have more control over things. And when you realize that you have more control over how things happen and how things are viewed, you start to change your perspective. So for me, I started to change my perspective in a lot of things. Um, even from the part where I said like, oh, no one helped me to like, you know what? I need to take this into my hands. That went into also my mental health. I can sit here and, and, just remind myself of all the bad things that happen, or I can sit here and start thinking, okay, what are the good things that can come out of it? It's hard. It's really hard to do that for yourself. That's why it's really good to have a support system, a good support system. I don't mean that friend that when you say you're about to do something crazy, she's like, girl, where do I meet you at? You know, <laughs> <laughs> wrong kind of support. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I mean, no, get that friend, right. don't get me wrong, <laughs> but you need to have those people that like help you remind you to, to, you know, understand that, that our minds have so much power and, you know, basically you, you go where you're looking, mm -hmm. right. And you, you go where you're looking. So if you're looking down, that's where you're going to go. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough for me, you know, being that like, I'm also married and it's not a <laughs> marriage, kids, careers. There's a lot of, it's a, it's, it's a lot. So I meditate a lot. Okay. And for years, I've been meditating for years where like I go inside and I try not to put blame on things, but try to understand why things are happening. Mm. You know, um, try to understand if there's an opportunity, you know, and like, for example, I was stuck in a city I didn't like, but the thing is it gave me the opportunity to be the only, um, production company in the city of Pittsburgh, which then got me on billboards, got me on TV shows, got me on a bunch of things. Right. Um, that was something that seemed bad to me that turned into an opportunity, you yeah. know? Um, I was a Zoom instructor since 2012 and I didn't do it until 2019 because my favorite Zoom instructor was moving and she said, well, you know, my moves, you should just do it. And I was like, uh, you know what? Uh -huh. Sure. You know, so turning, turning everything bad into an opportunity and it doesn't come easy and it takes every day reminding yourself every time you find yourself going into that, oh, it sucks. Oh, it's not going to work. Oh, it's not, you have to stop yourself and say like, but what if it does? Well, what if it's better? Yeah. You know? Um, as an entertainer, we know we take rejection different. Yeah. You cannot take that serious, like not seriously. You cannot take that personal. Right. So as an actress, every time I get rejected from a role, I'm like, maybe it wasn't the one for me. Maybe if I got that role, I was going to be busy for the one that's for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's great. I love this. I love the fact that there's the positivity, but it's like applied positivity. It's like, no, it's all right. It's okay. It's do that for the next thing. It's pretty awful. Yeah. It's not ignoring the bad, yeah. which is what a lot of people do. People ignore the bad, but it's not ignoring the bad. It's essentially acknowledging it, accepting it and trying to see if there's any good that's going to come from it so that you can move forward. Well, it seems to me moving forward as you've been doing it in spades, man. I can't wait to see how your brand <laughs> grows because I really feel like it's some something. I mean, you're on your way, but something big is going to happen. It's like the the stock that goes through the roof. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes, so you're you're like, oh, I was, 
<laughs> I was on the Ramsey radio right before it happened. It was great. <laughs> no, uh, I appreciate that. Again, it's all a network. It's all a network. Like people, I've been working now with people that like, I get rec most of my jobs right now are recommended in. Like I get calls for like the, I just directed a, a series of Spanish uh, videos that like the girl that recommended me for this position I met her at an audition like four years ago. Yeah. And like, you know, so the relations, the relations is kind of like, you know, um, very, very important in any industry, not just this one. Well, Cindy Fernandez next time. Uh, before Thank we you. get out of here, I have to ask you for one more thing. And that is for those listening, those are empowered by what you're saying. Those really trying to figure out when that Wonder Woman is really for them. Uh, did you have any bit of quick advice that someone can use for their own projects or something they're working on currently? Um, I would definitely say um, lay out your plan. I'm a big person of like putting it on paper. Yes, old yeah. school. Put it on paper. <laughs> Every time you come across a difficult decision, right? You can't figure it out. Make Grab a piece of paper, write whatever the, whatever the issue is on top, and draw a line, a vertical line. And then write on one side everything that's the positive, and then on the other side everything that you think is negative. And then read the positive. It's probably going to be more because otherwise you wouldn't want to do it. And then look at what you think is negative and see how you can turn it into a positive. Wow. And if someone wants to follow you and connect with you online or see what you're working on, how to go about doing that? Um, well, the main hub would be my website, cindyfernandeznixon.com. But you can also find me on all social medias, either um, Instagram, Twitter, now TikTok, because we got to do all that stuff. Um, they're all Cindy Fernix, so F-E-R-N-I-X. And But yeah, you can also find it through um, my website, cindyfernandeznixon.com. And then for the, and then through there, you also find my stuff for Zumba. You also find the stuff from my, my company. You also find the stuff for uh, the podcast. And uh, the podcast has its own um, Instagram. So that would be at now that I had my coffee. Make sure you check it out. And if you have a coffee recommendation, make sure you hit up, the, hit up Cindy. Like, yo, man, if you tried this, mochiato, waka flocka, flame, whatever. Yes, let me know. Send me a DM and I'll definitely check it out and I'll make a post about it. And I mean, if I really like it, I may just bring you on my show and say, you need to tell me about this coffee. <laughs> Let's do it. It'll be a lot of fun. I mean, Culver City, why not? <laughs> yeah, I would love to have you on my show, by the way. I definitely, we need to turn the tables on you and get to know everything about you. You're from Brooklyn, you're yeah. from the islands. Where, where's your family from? I'm Barbados. So we are completely Anglophone. But my graduation present, I spent a week and a half at San Isabelita, Santo Domingo. This is why ah. I was like, all present days all the time. That was me. <laughs> it was hot. Yes. It was See? And maybe maybe during your vacation, President, that was your coffee, you know, your happy drink. So it was. <laughs> it was so refreshing, man. I want to hear these stories about this vacation now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely hit it up. We'll definitely do it. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun interview, such a refreshing interview, by the way. It's oh, always good to, to, to get to talk about these things that sometimes we don't remember what we do, you know? Yeah, someone shines a light on you. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I guess I am that badass. It's like I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. <laughs>
kenewamsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs> <laughs>